You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journey here at UVic. Welcome to Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host today, Liz MacArthur, and I am very happy to have in the studio with me, Azzy Fatai. Uh, she is doing her PhD here at UVic in physics and astronomy. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you for inviting me for this interview. <laughs> so physics and astronomy is obviously a pretty broad uh, topic. So what are you uh, studying specifically here at UVic? Uh, so at UVic, the program astronomy is a bit separated from physics, so I mainly like doing astronomy. And if you want to know more details about like the exact kind of area I'm working on. I'm working on, on formation and evolution of small galaxies, what, what we call dwarf galaxies, around our own Milky Way galaxy. Mm-hmm. So you're studying how galaxies form. Yeah, particularly small galaxies. That It seems we do not fully understand how they form and how they have been evolved to what we observe today. Mm-hmm. I interviewed uh, Dr. Julio Navarro okay. um, a few, oh, maybe last year, after uh, a piece was published um, about a big discovery that you guys made. Yeah, I was unfortunately not part of the project, but what the, f- the field I'm working on is like very related to this kind of stuff. So that discovery was about satellites or these small galaxies around our neighboring galaxy, Andromeda. And this Andromeda and our own galaxy, Milky Way, form a group, what we call local group. So we have these two big galaxies and a bunch of small satellites and dwarf galaxies around. Mm-hmm. So from the stimulation point of view, I try to simulate such galaxies and environment to, in order to study these small galaxies. Particularly one interesting subject is the discovery they made last year, and we're looking to see if we see similar uh, phenomena in the simulations and the modelings of galaxy formation we know so far or not. And if we don't see such a thing, hmm. we should rethink our models and our theories of galaxy formation. Now, you said something about simulating those um, yeah. conditions. How do you do that? Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> So there are uh, some standard simulation codes. These are for cosmological and galaxy formation fields. They, they do this kind of simulation. Uh, so we start from very early on in the universe, not Big Bang, but close to where structures start to form, and these codes basically solve the equation and evolve those regions out to the present day. Hmm. So this is a computer program? Yes, exactly. This is a computer system. program, yeah. And it's, these are like huge kinds of programs that need good computers mm. to simulate these, these um, complex theories and formula. So how um, did you wind up here at UVic studying this? What is it that draws yeah. you to uh, to this particular field? I could say I was interested in astronomy since I was I don't know, in middle school or so. I was looking at stars, looking at constellations, I don't know, Orion, Big Dipper, these kind of things that, like, um, a small kid could uh, uh, learn. Uh, but then I was all interested in astronomy, like, throughout the years that I decided to study physics in undergrad in order to pursue astronomy for graduate school. Mm-hmm. So I did my undergrad in physics in Iran, actually. Mm-hmm. Then I decided to come to Canada for studying astronomy for graduate school masters and now PhD. Mm-hmm. I ended up being at UVic. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, come straight to Victoria from Iran? Yeah, I did mm-hmm. straight here. I was interested to come to Canada, and I applied to different schools, and UVic actually was one of the good ones for astronomy program, the university um 
joined with the observatory Hertzberg Institute mm. for Astrophysics. They are like a combined good program that I decided to come here. You talked about doing your undergrad in in physics so that you could go on to do astronomy. So you obviously had a plan in mind yeah. when you started. Yeah. Um, I would say this was only just being interesting, being interested in astronomy that I had to feel like, oh my, this is cool. I should learn more about galaxies and stars. So yeah, that's when I initially went to physics, I went to physics for astronomy. Mm. And I, I didn't change my mind during the physics. I still feel that astronomy is like super cool for me <laughs> and super interesting for me. What do you think it is that's uh, that's so um, appealing about it? Uh, something about, I don't know, is it knowing about the origins of the galaxy? Or is it, what is it about it that sort of gets you excited oh, about it? Tough question. But <laughs> um, I was... Well, the, another point that I went to physics in general, I like to study how things are working, how I know how different forces work, what physicists usually study. And of course, astronomy is part of that. And looking at these galaxies, of course, beautiful pictures of these galaxies that are out there um, was always like fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I should learn more about and whenever I was reading something about that, I was becoming like more interested to figuring out, to learn more and more. Mm-hmm. So I ended up in astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> when you were a kid, um, was it just looking up at the stars that initially got you interested? Or were you sort of, did you have somebody that got you interested in it? I'm not quite sure, but I would uh, say my parents were always like, my mom was also a bit like familiar with these stars and constellations in the sky. She was showing me, look, this is Big Deeper, this is Orion, this mm-hmm. is blah, blah, blah. So maybe this is that that was initially how I got interested into that. Mm-hmm. My mom was showing me the stars in the, in the sky. And also uh, she was taking me to some astronomy kind of journal clubs for like very amateur astronomers even when I was a kid maybe I was not understanding anything but my mom was <laughs> taking me to those kind of discussions mm-hmm. um, maybe that that's how it started yeah did you have your own telescope uh not until I was in high school right I used to look through a telescope through those journal club kind of amateur astronomers. They sometimes brought out telescopes that I could look through, but I didn't have mine until when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still stargaze now that you're studying all, uh, studying this at such uh, like a high level? I would do it a few times a year. Let's say I go to Uwik, you know, has a telescope. I uh, sometimes try to go there and look at maybe the objects that I've seen thousands of times, but I see them again, and it's just so uh, interesting to me. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just staying in the backyard and looking at the stars and trying to remind myself the things I knew from in the sky. Mm. Does uh, does studying it at such an in-depth level, does that change your appreciation of the night sky? If you're, if, I don't know, maybe you're just out for some reason and you look up and you mm-hmm. see the stars, do you you're thinking about it in a different way? It's in a different way in um, in the sense that I know some of these objects better because these are subject to my study. Mm-hmm. So when I, if they were only beautiful to me years ago, now when I look at them, it's like more maybe scientific view. I try to see, yeah, I know in this part of the galaxy, it's such kind of thing that's happening in that part of the galaxy. This is happening. So it's more like 
in-depth understanding of what I'm looking at when I look at the objects, mm. but not just the beauty of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting that you can look up and you know different parts of the galaxy, different things are happening. What kind of what kind of different things are happening in different parts of the galaxy? I think as a layperson. If I look up at the night sky, yeah. I just think, okay, it's all... So we see different kinds of objects in the night sky. Of course, one obvious thing is like the stars that... When we just look at the sky, it's the stars that we see. If we go to a bit darker places, I'm maybe not in like downtown Victoria, somewhere a bit more outside where there's light pollution. We could see the Milky Way, mm. our own galaxy. Um, well, we are inside the galaxy. We don't see the galaxy from outside, of course. But we'll, we'll see the where the disk of the galaxy is passing through, through the stars. Mm. And now, for instance, I know where's the center of the galaxy. People are studying some black holes in the center of the galaxy that I, when I look at the sky, I could kind of realize where that point is in the sky mm-hmm. or when I see when I was a kid I was seeing just kind of a cloudy thing that people used to call make away but now I know like the why is it there why we're looking but why it appears on different directions in the sky the other thing that we might see is like globular clusters of stars or in general clusters of stars and sometimes bright galaxies but not with the naked eye, it's difficult to see galaxies. Um, but if you have even just a small telescope, you can see a couple of them with a small telescope. Mm. Now, if you know what objects those are, you would you could see, okay, how, let's say, what kinds of objects, what kinds of galaxies they are, how they've been formed, what kinds of structures in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of th- things I see in the night sky. <laughs> how far along are you now in your PhD? Do you know when you'll be finished? I transferred from master's to PhD like six or seven months ago. Okay. Uh, I would assume it will take another two or three years. Mm -hmm. So the plan is like between two or to wrap up the PhD in two or three years. Mm And as far as your um, your thesis and what you're working on, you're looking at the, the formation of these dwarf galaxies. Yeah. What is the outcome of this? Do you want to sort of expand our knowledge of how these galaxies are formed? Is that the intention? Yeah. Uh, there are uh, these dwarf galaxies are um, a bit... Um, there are lots of um, debates in the literature and in this area about the formation of the galaxy. It seems that our theoretical point of view is not exactly predicting or explaining what we see in the observation. Mm-hmm. So my work is that's mainly from the theoretical point of view to see what's um, going on. Can we try to uh, solve this problem within the current theoretical point of view we have or we need to exchange some aspect of this theoretical point of view to match what, of course, the real universe is what we observe and whatever simulation and all these theoretical hypotheses is just on the paper or, <laughs> or in the computers. We should try to uh, come up with something that looks like a real universe. That's what we're trying to understand, how these galaxies in real universe are forming. So I would see it as a as a puzzle that like different kind of things needs to be done in order to have a like fully picture of how these galaxies have been formed and evolved to the observed real galaxies we see in the universe. That sounds like a pretty big job. Uh, <laughs> do you think do you think that you'll get to that point where you can I guess tweak this kind of the um, the formula or the theoretical aspect of this? to match it? Maybe not with a small project, but um, 
or not within a one or two year PhD. But the goal of the field is like everybody is doing little small projects so that like the whole building is whole building of the picture of uh, galaxy formation is is made of these small little objects that we are analyzing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I never claim that I have like the whole building is being made made by me but like I've done a little effort in in making that picture and getting there yeah yeah is that um it seems like when I hear um physicists talk about their research and um and like new discoveries it seems like there are often this there's often this problem of okay this is what the theory said and this is what in actuality is happening and what does that mean um is it fun to be working in a field that that happens? Is it frustrating? And uh, is this going to be your work, do you think, long-term, sort of trying to figure out what, if the theory matches reality? Mm-hmm. I think it's not frustrating. This is the nature of the science that's well, the whole field of science is trying to understand the nature that we see out there. It could be galaxies, it could be anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this is in... in Every kind of science, we are trying to have a theoretical point of view that's correct to explain what's in the real universe. So I don't find it frustrating. Actually, it's even like more interesting for me that I feel like, oh, I'm going to like um, maybe knowing something that people, let's say, decades ago didn't know. I'm like trying to help we have a better understanding of what's going on out there so it's not frustrating at all for me mm-hmm. as you do your research you're talking about uh, simulating these sort of um, conditions for yeah. galaxy um, formation or yeah dwarf galaxy yeah. formation yeah. Uh, are you also are, are there any is there work of other people in your field that you draw on that sort of helps you sort of fi- solve this puzzle essentially uh, yeah so not everything has been in this in this film not everything has been like built by me as i said there are these computer simulation codes we have collaborators who have like worked on that part we borrow let's say the code or program from them mm-hmm. and we simulate the problem we are interested in and then of course we have to look uh, we have to look at other people's work because it's not only me who is working in this field of course there are lots of groups out there who are working on similar stuff so we should always like uh, take care of what's what other people are doing uh, to first of all see if we're seeing similar results with other people who are doing the same similar studies or if it's different why it is different ours is better than them we are understanding things better than them or what's the source of discrepancy that maybe different groups are coming up with different results so yeah we always first of all we get help from people and then we try to compare our results with other groups as well mm-hmm. in an average day for you when you're doing working on this what does that look like are you going into your office or lab and then starting this up and taking notes or how does it uh, how does it look uh, so it's mainly working on computers of um, computer of course i go to my office um, we don't have labs so i go to my office and sit behind my computer and trying to sometimes I have to run some of these simulations on on the big computers we have at UVIC or some other big computers that I have access to. Uh, sometimes uh, the simulations have been done and I'm tr- looking at the results how these galaxies that we have simulated look like, how big they are, how small they are, how they look like. So it's mainly like just behind the computer and um, analyzing the results. And of course, sometimes I have to go to textbooks or papers 
to of course to learn and again to see what other people are are working on but it's mainly sitting in the office behind the computer <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about uh, these big computers that run the the computer uh, programs yeah and I think that sort of indi- uh, indicates the magnitude of what you're studying you know like the, you're trying to simulate the galaxy yeah. beginning and you know our actual PCs that we use day to day couldn't actually run these programs no not at all at the scale that I'm running these simulations um, if if I'm going into too much um, technical difficulties, let me know. I will run at least on at least on 64 cores, 64 CPUs. But the normal PCs at most have like the best ones have like four or eight. Wow. Or, so at at minimum, I start from 60 or 100. But at the um, at the most difficult level or most time consuming and um, and computer consuming time it's thousands of actually cores that we need big but we got clusters of computers we need big clusters of computers to run these simulations on hmm. yeah the laptop doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have to be in like institutes that have access to these mm-hmm. big computers to run these problems on Mm-hmm. And we have a compute. We have this uh, capability here at UVic for you to do this. Yeah, the physics and astronomy department have some um, computers, but not thousands. Um, but from the com- Compute Canada West Grid clusters, there are two clusters that are on the campus at UVic mm-hmm. that I'm mainly using. Those that um, the main part of my work, and then also there is another computer that I use in Eng- England, mm-hmm. in UK run some of the problems on there as well. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Big computer programs. Yeah. That's crazy. Huh? So after you finish your PhD, uh, what do you want to do? If you ask me today, I would say I'll stay in academia working mm-hmm. still on, well, I'm not sure exactly dwarf galaxies. We'll see how, how far we get by the end of my PhD, but in general working in, in galaxy formation mm-hmm. um, field. Uh, doing, of course, postdocs, and hopefully I'll find a permanent position job somewhere yeah. in, in, in a research institute or in a, in a university somewhere mm-hmm. in the world. <laughs> do you prefer, uh, do you teach at all? Uh, we do teach as part of um, actually a gr- graduate program. Graduate students mm-hmm. teach in the labs. We teach to first year and second year undergraduate students in the laboratory, the astronomy laboratories. This is where I teach. But usually not classes, mm. not main courses. Do you prefer, it sounds like you prefer the research aspect yeah. to the teaching aspect. Yeah. Yeah, I I prefer, yeah, I prefer the research, I think, mm-hmm. more than teaching. But not, it doesn't mean I don't like teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, um, the first the first few times that we teach a new course or lab, it's, it's fun, but after like two or three years teaching the same thing, of course we we more ex- more experience. We can teach better, but for us it's a bit maybe for me, not for everybody. For me, it's a bit okay. I, I I've taught this subject a lot. I right. think <laughs> I I don't like to do it anymore, <laughs> but I like teaching. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you like being out on the west coast? It must be very different from home for you. Yeah, of course. In general, the the whole country is different yeah. and too far from home. And of uh, since um, now, I very much like the Victoria and the area around here. It's like very beautiful, relaxed, and um, a perfect place to 
live and work in a relaxed and beautiful environment. I very much like here. If I can stay here after my PhD, well, not exactly after my PhD, but for later mm-hmm. um, positions, I'm very happy to stay in these regions. Mm-hmm what I can tell from now. When you've completed your work on your PhD, and I guess when you think about your entire body of work that you will be doing in your career, is there anything in particular that you really want to understand better or figure out? Is there like one really tough question for you that you want to work on or, um, or something that you want to add to the body mm-hmm. of existing knowledge about astronomy? Something that's very... Very, very like interesting to me. That's my work is a bit related to is about the nature of the dark matter. Mm. Maybe you've heard about that. Like we know some something is there, but we don't see anything other than it attracts. It attracts other objects like gravity. So we don't see it. We call it dark matter. Uh, so one part of the um, point that I said our theoretical picture is not consistent with what we observe is actually related to the dark matter kind of a picture that uh, in, in our simulation that we have a kind of dark matter that people usually assume it's this kind of dark matter. Mm, when we run the simulation, we'll see it's not exactly what we see in, in the observed universe. So one debate in the field is that maybe what we are, what we are assuming for a dark matter is wrong. Mm. Maybe it's the, the nature that we have assumed so far in our simulations and in modelings is not what it is real out there. Maybe we should change our models of the dark matter. And, and that's something very, how I say, exciting to me mm-hmm. to understand what dark matter is, what's the nature of dark matter. And I'm very curious to to see when people actually detect dark matter particles, particle physicists yeah. maybe detect <laughs> dark matter particles. Uh, it must be fascinating to work in a field where there are these huge questions that exist, yes. like something that is sort of, I guess, part of the fabric of the universe and yeah. where you don't know what it, that is or you know what it's how it works. Yeah, it has both negative and positive. Some sometimes people say, "Well, you you don't know ninety percent of the universe." What isn't it like depressing to you <laughs> that you're working in the field? Uh, it's not depressing, but of course you feel like, "Oh, there's much more left to be discovered out there." Mm-hmm. That. Um, we are still too far from like discovering dark matter and dark energies, even like a bigger question than the dark matter. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of scary that you don't know well if even these theories are right. What if in some years from now people understand that these are incorrect? Right. Of course, it's interesting that um, we understand something, but you like, oh, all these pictures that people have been working on, all these modelings that people have been working on in, for years, they've been all wrong. We should now start new things. So it's scary in that sense, but it's also exciting at the same time mm-hmm. to discover new things, new phenomena. I have a question about uh, about talking about your work. I, because I do this show quite often and I interview a lot of different grad students from different faculties, I feel like science students are a little and researchers are a little more careful about um, the way in which they describe what they're studying mm-hmm. because I think there's almost a level of, um, of talking about it that the average person is in, in, in sort of inaccessible to the average person. Is it difficult for you to sort of get across what it is that you're actually studying for people sometimes? Yeah, it's it's my experience as well when I try to explain for someone who is out of um, 
science, it's or even out of physics and astronomy, it's, it's getting much more difficult for me. We use sometimes it's, it's it's a level of knowledge. Sometimes it's the, some concepts and just jargon that we use. We 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 don't know how. Because we use we use them every day, it's something that's like very super obvious to me that I think, oh, oh, the people around me we are talking about this, everybody knows. But when you talk to another person, you should know what they're what they know and what they don't. I always find it actually a bit difficult to mm. explain. If they ask me to be a bit more specific about my research, I find it difficult to explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's almost like a, another language that doesn't necessarily yes. translate yeah. to you know, what the average person understands. Yeah. Huh. Well, I think you've done very well, though, today. Oh, thank so. you. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> um, we, are, we are out of time. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thanks again for inviting me. <laughs> Such a good um, chat. Yeah, thanks. All right. <laughs>